If you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her foal. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and its foal, then they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When they entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar saying, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Okay, now turn to Mark 11, 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Next, you'll want to turn to Luke 19, 28 through 40. When he had said these things, he went up on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mountain of Olives, he sent two disciples and said, Go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there, in which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say this. The Lord needs it. So those who were sent, le- sent left and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying it, the young donkey, its owner, said to them, Why are you untying the donkey? The Lord needs it, they said. And they brought it to Jesus. After throwing their clothes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get it. As he was going along, they were spreading their clothes on the road. Now he came near the path down the mountain vaults, on which the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king of who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered, I tell you, if they were to keep, the, keep silent, the sons would cry out. Thank you, ladies. That was pretty cool. Just saying. Uh, lastly, we're going to turn to the book of John. John chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. 
Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's coat. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy, but after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about his miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, There's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. It's kind of fun to, to see all the different passages that talk about what we're celebrating today, and uh, Pastor Doug will get all into that. Lord, we thank you so much for this day you've given us, for the safety you provided on our roads today, and for the rain that you've given us to replenish our earth, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your triumphant entry. Lord, we thank you for the humility you showed in coming to earth in the first place, Lord, and again, the humility you showed in entering Jerusalem as well. Lord, we ask that you would bless our time here together as we worship you uh, through hearing the word. Lord, help us to apply this to our lives as we go from here. Lord, be with each and every one of us uh, in this room. Lord, be with each and every one of us in every other room in this church, and be with each and every one of us who might be at home watching on uh, their computers, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would uh, be be with those who are uh, struggling with illness today, Lord. We know of those who are continually might feel like they're losing hope uh, in their battles with, with cancer, Lord, and with uh, other things that might be ailing them. Lord, I ask that you would bring them peace today. Uh, and if it be your will, bring them healing as well. Lord, we ask and pray these things in your son's name. Amen. We're taking a slight, a slight excuse me, two-week hiatus from our study on the foundations of family. Mainly because we're faced with what's called Holy Week. I don't know if you find that particular list in the scriptures, but it's in reference to today being viewed as the Palm Sunday. Friday being viewed as Good Friday. Sunday morning, sunrise service for all of you that are excited about having eggs and sausage. And then Sunday morning, celebration of resurrection. Before we get into the texts that were graciously read and very quickly read, (laughs) a little bit of business this morning. Uh, Waylon Schaefer. His birthday is today, and I think we've sung to many senior saints and older people. I'm in that category, but it's not often we get to sing to a a young teenager. Waylon, where are you, my brother? Raise your hand unto the Lord. Let's sing to him. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Wayland. Happy birthday to you. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning. 
I find myself in quite a conundrum, a big word for a mess. This being my eighth Easter season here at Grace Community Church, I struggle with so what? I doubt that anything I say this morning is going to be that earth-shattering that you're going to say, I never heard that before. I, I doubt that there may be some of you I won't be able to keep awake this morning. And yet I find myself found not only in a conundrum, but also in a mystery. A mystery that we will get to later, as is described for us in the Gospel of John. But in particular, I must share with you, I don't understand everything. I, I, I can't come to grips fully with what the scriptures have said because they don't detail every single part of the puzzle. You have to go to other places for that. In fact, it's been told you can check it out on Google for this last year, this pandemic. Crossword puzzles, jigsaw puzzles, word finds, sales have gone through the roof. Because people were looking to do something while they're at home. I chose to eat. As I'm sure some of others have done also. But what we have here in these three or four passages that were read for us this morning, we, we have almost pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Some of them, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those are the three that basically highlight somewhat of the exact same information in somewhat of the exact same order. And then there's John. But each, in each one of them, there is differences. They're like jigsaw puzzles pieces. You take them out of the box and you, you spread them out. You try to find the ones that at least have the straight edges because you know those are the frame. You set up the box in front of you so at least you've got an, an end in, in mind. It's going to look like this, hopefully, if all of the pieces didn't make it into the box from the factory. All the way from China, caught in the Suez Canal. <laughs> the pieces by themselves don't make much sense. They don't seem to be interconnected in much of any way, and yet still, they have a story to tell. Each individual piece has its place in order to complete the final picture. We call today Palm Sunday. I would dare say that junior church and Sunday school classes today, children, you're going to see children running around with interesting artwork. Paper cut out of, quote, palm trees. Uh, 
And yet in the scriptures, it's, it's not called that at all. What's interesting is the ones who have gathered the scriptures to us, who have tried to put it in somewhat of a masterful way for us to be able to read, to put the puzzle together, their heading refers to it as a triumphant entry. They don't refer to it as Palm Sunday. I, I suspect the term came from, from the, from the fact that as we read in the text, as the ladies read in the text, and Pastor Steve did, that palm branches were lopped off of trees. And they were used to both wave and also to place. Thus the understanding of Palm Sunday. But what I find most interesting, in fact, what I took for the title of this message, I'm not that creative in myself to be able to come up with some fantastic title. So I went to Matthew chapter 21, and there is a question that is asked. As Jesus comes into Jerusalem, the townspeople say, who is this? Who is this? It's really only three Greek words, but yet it holds an encyclopedia of meaning. Who is this? I mean, if someone was to come up to you and ask you the significance of Palm Sunday, what would your answer be? You might highlight the fact that Jesus rode on a donkey. Jesus was greeted with shouts from one of the ascending psalms, Psalm 118. Jesus was greeted by both cheers and jeers. But who is he? This morning, if I may waste about a half an hour of your time, I want to address three things from the texts. First of all, I want to speak on the identity of Jesus Christ. Then we're going to look at the humility of John. And lastly, we will look at the importance of grace. I'm not necessarily going to focus in on any one of the particular puzzle pieces. But I do want to highlight something that Luke said. If it, it, turn to Luke's gospel. The, the situation that Luke paints is a little bit different than Matthew and Mark and John. In, in Luke's gospel, make sure I get there fully here for you. Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. In verse 37, Luke highlights something that the other gospel writers do not. He says, in my text, he says, 
Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives. And the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Doesn't necessarily say who was partakers of this situation, just said a crowd, a multitude, depending on your translation. But they are there because of the miracles that Jesus did. Now, if, if I may, I'm not a very good artist. I had trouble coloring in the lines when I was a child. But the entrance that Jesus came to Jerusalem came from the east side of the Mount of Olives. Two cities in particular are listed in the text, Bethany and Bethphage. And Bethany is the hometown of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. In fact, John's gospel tells us that six days prior to the Passover, Jesus stopped there for supper. It was one of his places that he could be at and find rest. You know the story of Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus. In fact, the gospel writers make sure we remember because they've mentioned the fact that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And people saw it and they knew it and they were getting excited. They were getting in street vernacular, they were getting all jacked up, ready to usher in Jesus as king. But the crowd, it would appear according to the texts that the crowd knew where Jesus was going and they gathered. I wonder, I just wonder if maybe blind Bartimaeus was in that crowd. According to Mark, Matthew, and Luke, blind Bartimaeus was healed by Jesus as he was on his last journey to Jerusalem. He was the blind man who was alongside of the road and he heard the crowd and like a coercitive kind of individual, I'm sure, though he was there begging for money, he heard the crowd and he said, what is going on? And he heard the name Jesus and that was enough for him. And he began to scream out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everyone was saying, blind old man, be still. Jesus, son of, and it, the scriptures tells us that they couldn't quiet him down. And Jesus stops the procession and he gets down and he says, what do you need? I just want to see. Done. 
That stops me because I find myself now in that crowd. What is it that you want Jesus to do? There's not another religion, there's not another philosophical idea that could handle blind Bartimaeus, only Jesus. There is not another philosophy of life. There's not another reimbursement check that can handle what you need. It's only Jesus. And blind Bartimaeus knew. Sometimes we go searching after things instead of looking to the one who can take care of it. Jesus, his name is. I would dare say that that Lazarus was in the group. Good Lord, have mercy. His name got spread around. In fact, in, in John's gospel, it talks about the fact that because Jesus did raise Lazarus, the, the religious leaders were losing control, and they wanted to kill Lazarus too. Well, go ahead. He's already felt it once. What are you going to do to him? I kind of wonder if he was with the crowd. People around him said, there's Lazarus. Lazarus, how are you doing today? Walking on top. Praising Jesus for what he did. I wonder if Mary and Martha were walking with him. I wonder if the 5,000 that got fed with a little bit of a fish, sardine can, and a little bit of loaves were walking with Jesus. You see, they weren't the ones who were asking, who is this? It's when Jesus got into the town that those in Jerusalem asked the question, who is this? Hidden in the pieces that we've been trying to put together, I've sort of framed it out for you. Now we have to find all of the blues. Then all of the greens and the browns, whatever the picture is, you try to put all of them together. We're going to have to take a little bit of a journey, a quick journey. But it begins the first piece that we are in, invited to ponder is in Genesis chapter 3. You don't need to turn there, just mark it down. And, and what I'm describing for you is the, the identity of Jesus. Genesis chapter 3 holds with it a key, a piece, just one piece. Where God says, I will put enmity between your seed and the seed of the serpent. He 
the seed of the woman will crush his head. The seed of the serpent is just going to bite his heel. The bite is about to happen. Not fully knowing, I'm sure, as Adam and Eve heard those words and we've read them, but yet it doesn't take us long. When you stay in the book of Genesis, you go to chapter 49 and verse 9 through 11, and you see Joseph is blessing his sons. He gets to Judah. And he talks about Judah being a donkey's colt. Where the staff of the king will never leave. You, you got to wonder when that was first penned, maybe even Judah. What's this guy like? What is this all about? This peace. What type of individual is this going to be? Forgive me for saying Joseph. It just came to me. Those of you that are more literate in scripture this morning. It was Isaac. Excuse me. Who was this guy? How do you describe a king that we've never seen? And then the, the writer of Zechariah, chapter 9 and verse 9, highlights, highlights it even more. In fact, it is for us, written here for us. When he talks about Jerusalem, to not be afraid, for your king is coming, riding on the back of a donkey. But have you ever considered why they took their coats off? Why they put palm branches down. You've got to go to Second Kings for that. At the inauguration of Jehu, the king. In Second Kings chapter 9 and in verse 13. As Jehu was anointed as described and highlighted to be king, it says they, the men that were with him took off their coats and laid them down so that he could sit on them. All of these pieces together have come now to form in this instance of history 
when Jesus is riding in on a donkey. It's the first time in Scripture. It's the only time in Scripture where it says Jesus rode on anything. He walked. Other than the fact, well, no, Pastor, he was in a boat sleeping. He was riding in the boat. Yeah, but that same lake he also walked on. What is described for us in these passages of Palm Sunday is relative to the fact that all of the special pieces that come together in the scriptures point to the fact that Jesus is king. He's the king. And those that saw it could not contain themselves. They begin to utter and shout Psalm 118, verse 26. It's one of the ascent psalms that would have been sung or or said as individuals approached the, the temple for worship. And it says, Hosanna. In the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's the king. They were looking for a different entrance of a king. They were hoping that this was the release of Roman Empire tyranny. But what they needed to be freed from first was sin's tyranny. He came as the king. Riding on a donkey. Now there's one more puzzle piece that I I, got to just put in place here to finish it. Matthew tells us that the city was roused up. I used the word earlier, they were jacked up. There was another time when Jesus' name was given. That caused Jerusalem great distress. Matthew records that event also in his second chapter. When he says wise men from the east. Came to Jerusalem. Saying where is he. Who's born king of the Jews. Herod it says was troubled. And all of Jerusalem with him. This is the second time. But let me let you in on a little secret. It's the same person. The king has showed up. He came in his birth. He's coming in the last week of his life. And he's coming again. Same place. And oh, don't you think the city going to get jacked up then? 
the identity of the king. All those pieces in scripture point to this event. In John's gospel, as he relates the same type of coronation, John's gospel, chapter 12, I come to appreciate the humility of John. We know him as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Of the inner three, he was it. He's the only disciple that died according to tradition and history that died of, quote, a natural death. He lived to be about 102 years old. He penned the words of the book of the Revelation when he was 90. And once the king of Rome died that banished him to the island of Patmos, he was able to go back to his hometown. And there he died. With all of that grandeur, I appreciate his honesty and his humility. For it says, John 12, verse 16. Now John's writing this. He said his disciples did not understand these things at first. Jesus told two of his disciples, we're not told who the two are, but they were to go into the city that was not Jerusalem, by the way. Most likely it was Bethpage that they got this colt. Because after Jesus got on the colt, the text tells us that he went down the path of Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. He's in Bethany and Bethphage. Now he's on a donkey. Go get a donkey, boys. You'll find him. As soon as you go into the gate, he'll be right there. Untie him. Bring him to me. Anyone asks you, what are you doing? Tell them the master needs him. They'll let you go. Bring it to me. And as John says, we had no idea what was going on. Have you, have you ever struggled with that sometimes in your believer life? To when the puzzle pieces don't seem to be fitting and you're reaching in the drawer to cut them so they will. It doesn't make sense, Jesus, what you're telling us to do. They were with him for near on three and a half years. Going with Jesus, hearing Jesus, watching Jesus, 
touching Jesus. And yet in this moment, we don't understand. What do you need with a donkey? Hmm. We can ask ourselves somewhat the same question when it comes to our health, can't we? What do you need with my health? Why? Why must we go through this with our health, financial, relationships? We don't understand. I don't. Quite frankly, I'm glad I don't. Because if I did understand, then I'd be more than what I should be. Imagine that these two disciples, they go and they find this donkey. By the way, in case you don't know, Every donkey that is born has the imprint of a cross from its neck to its shoulder to its back. There's not a donkey born that doesn't have that. Some say it's because Mary rode the donkey and God put an imprint upon it. I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that they're born with a cross on their back. Instead of sheep, maybe we should recognize ourselves as being more of a donkey. I'm not talking about being dumb or stubborn. But I'm talking about, are we willing to carry the cross of Christ? That is what the disciples couldn't understand. They were anticipating as all others. They forgot that up to this point, three times Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. I'm going to be handed over to some evil men. They're going to crucify me, but I'm going to rise again. Maybe they were not paying attention. They were more interested in mom. Go ask Jesus if we can sit in the places of prominence in his kingdom. Let's try to set things up good on this earth. Jesus says, go get a donkey. Don't understand. But John doesn't leave us hanging because he does say, however... When Jesus was glorified, then 
they remembered. Sometimes for us to remember the preciousness of our Savior is when we can see the glory of our Christ in the midst of the storm. Then it becomes plain. He's the king. And he's coming again. But in order for the disciples, in order for us, as we view the pieces of the puzzle, the missing glue is God's grace. The theological, if you will, definition of grace is unmerited favor from God. <laughs> That's a theological definition of you get something you don't deserve. When I was a child, always wanted my mother to get the cereals that had a prize inside. Didn't care what it was. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't eat it. I just want what was inside. Do you know where they always put that prize? Do you know how many boxes of cereal that have been accosted through this pandemic with kids reaching to the bottom of the box. Always getting something you don't deserve. Turn with me in, in closing. Philippians chapter 2. can't think of a, a greater description of God's grace than Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. When he says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Make my joy complete by thinking the same thing, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Every one should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Verses 1 to 4, Paul has given us the definition of grace. 
Now he's going to give us the illustration of grace. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead he emptied himself. By assuming the form of a servant. And taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even to the death on a cross. For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth. And under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It wasn't for the grace of God, dear people. Palm Sunday would be nothing more than words scratched on a calendar. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we would have no idea who Jesus is. But I find it interesting that the last miracle that Jesus did before he entered Jerusalem is that he opened the eyes of a blind man so he could see. That's grace. It is by the grace of God, dear people, that we stand as we are here this morning. It's God's grace that sets us free. The Apostle Paul also writes for us that it is by grace through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not nothing you did. But it's all that Jesus did. He's the king. Do you know him? For some reason this type of holiday season. Does slow people down a little bit. To maybe consider. But Peter writes for us, the grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It's grace. Do you know Jesus? Have you, by simple faith, just trusted in him? And say, Lord, I don't understand. But this one thing I do know, once I was blind, but now I see. That gift is so free and so available. 
from the driving of the nails to the rising from the tomb. Grace is sufficient. And all he asks you to do is believe. Believe. Let's pray. Father, I am still caught in the conundrum of not understanding everything. But there's one thing I do know. That your grace is sufficient. Oh God, you do the work in lives that I can't. By the power of your spirit, you illumine our eyes of individuals that maybe know a little bit about you, but they don't know you. I pray, God, that you would Reveal to your identity that you are the king. Show us the humility we may not understand. But then we realize the importance of your grace. That we can receive from you that which we do not deserve. It's a gift. Lord, would you bless the hearts of those today that would take that gift and stand upon the promise that he who has the Son of God has life. And be careful to praise you. In the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.